ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 16 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. My name is Jordan Lorenz, and I'm joined alongside someone who has a brand new microphone. Thanks to yours truly, Drew, you're going to be sounding amazing, man. Yes, I am. I got the Blue Yeti from the Jordan Lorenz. I get to use it for the rest of the summer until I go to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, which I'm really excited to use this because it looks and sounds a lot better than the old condenser mic I was using, the Toner TC777, which I'm glad. Thank you, Jordan. Oh, yeah, not a problem at all. We're leasing it, right? That's the deal because you're not bringing that thing to Milwaukee. That's a, that's a little too expensive to be down at college. We don't want anything happening. So that's that. We actually recorded, full disclosure, let's go over this first. So Thursday night, a few days ago, we recorded for the first time ever a live podcast in person, Drew and I, in the same building, testing out that microphone for the very first time. Drew, Summer Sports Spectacular, episode five coming up. How do you think it went? I thought it went very well, Jordan. I love doing a live episode. It was so much fun. You know, it's better than the Zoom stuff. And I mean, you were game, very skeptical about it at first. I really was. And I didn't know how it would turn out. It turned out very well. So go check that out Wednesday. And But, but overall, the game, Jordan, I thought it went, I thought it was a fairly good game. I mean, a little bit at the end, it got maybe kind of boring, but it was, it was a fairly good game. Yeah, not a bad game at all. We got bored, certainly, in the final few minutes. And then after the game, we were watching hockey. Drew's first taste of hockey. What did you think of that, huh? Vegas Golden Knights, Montreal Canadiens. Oh, uh, well. As my, like you said, it was my first time sitting down watching ho- hockey. I understood some of the calls. I, I called the icing call right. I called some off my mind. calls. Blew my mind, the icing call. I, I just think of it as soccer. I was using soccer and basketball terms the whole game. But I, it, it's a good watch. I well, The one thing I said to Jordan right away is the graphics they get for these NHL games are phenomenal. It, it's It's so good. I don't know why. Like, I don't know what's so special. Maybe like the ice affects colors. I literally have no idea, but it is absolutely beautiful. And as we were recording, Montreal punched their ticket to the Stanley Cup. I was so sad watching Vegas get knocked out of the playoffs. But like the professional, like the pro I am, I continued on with the recording. Didn't say anything about the game. You wouldn't have even known we were watching it as we recorded. So We'll talk about NHL in a little bit once we get to our weekly sports talk segment. But first, we have to say Summer Sports Spectacular. The last episode, Super Bowl Seven, didn't do very well at all. Maybe you guys weren't liking Super Bowl Seven. I don't know what it was, but listen to that. Go listen to that episode. I think we did a pretty good job for what it's worth. And we're on all the social media platforms. We're working on a Facebook page. By now, it'll probably be up. We're figuring things out about that. We are working on a website as well. We are trying to get that out. Maybe some business cards or stickers coming soon. I mean, Drew, this podcast, we're doing a lot of things for it to try and make it grow. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of great things going on, Jordan. I think of the t-shirts right away. Being able to sell 35 t-shirts and you'll read some of those names and it's just, we're, we're growing and it's a great sign. And I'm really looking forward to, to see where this podcast takes off or where it goes. Let's go rapid fire real quick. Thank you. Catherine, Elizabeth, Kaylee, Caitlin, Evan, Noah, Vicky, Alex, Clay, Valerie, Carter, Katie, Max, Josh, Devin, Mark, Don, Seth, Hudson, William, Trey, Bernie, Caden, Lindsay, Nick, Colin, Jim, Chris, Kevin, and Jeff. Thank you all so, so much for buying some shirts. I think I got all the names on there. Wanted to give everyone a shout out to 
Whoever bought a shirt, we thank you very, very much for your support. Those things will be in after the 4th of July. They're a little backed up right now, but two weeks to get the shirts. Not too bad at all. Can't wait to go get those. And Drew, what if when we went and picked up the t-shirts, we did our first ever YouTube video reviewing the shirts. What do you think about that? You just pitched this to me now. This is his first time pitching to me, pitching this to me, guys. And Jordan, I'm on board. Let's do it. I think it would have been a lot cooler if we got it from like a allied shirts or something online. And like we literally opened the package from there because I'm sure like he'll show us one when we go pick them up. But still, I think short little three, five minute video on the YouTube would do beautiful. Speaking of subscribe to us on there. I don't know what happened, how we lost four subscribers. I don't know where they went. Like literally one day I looked and four were gone just like that. So I don't know what happened, but we're going to get those numbers back up there. Apple podcast still at 27 reviews. Give us some more on there. And now it is time for the shout out. Should I put the S on here too? Cause we got no, a lot this week. No, stats only gets the stats. Usually it's just going to be one shout out, but there was a lot this week. And I wanted to start out first with the ships boys baseball team. They were so close making it to state one game away ended up losing oh boy i don't was it four to one or something like that they lost in three that to one three yeah it was something like that either three to one four to one something like that they were so close to making it to state but what a year for the ships boys sad way to go out but you got to be happy making it that far and drew's got a shout out to give as well yeah i got two boys i got a shout out uh last friday was the wia state track meet for uh, d2 and Valor's had some kids we talked about on last week's episode, Shane Griepentrog and Clay Taylor. And I, I got some good news to share. Shane took second at state last uh, Friday. Wow. With, on the 1600. And he broke his own school record that he already set this year with a, a time of 415. So he ran a 415 mile, Jordan. That's insane. And I then, run like a 10 minute mile. Shane was also in the 3,200 and that's where Clay Taylor was also. And what happened there, Shane took first in the 3,200 with a personal best of 922 and Clay and took fifth in the 3,200 with a personal best of 946. So congratulations, boys. You guys really made Valders proud. You made this area proud and they're only juniors, Jordan. They can run it back next year. And I'm very excited to see where they go next year. Yeah, I said that last week. I'm like, they're only juniors, right? They're young. They got some time left to go. Got more. We'll see what happens next year. We can't wait to have Clay on again once the NBA championship is complete or when the Bucks lose. I don't know, but at this rate, it's not looking like the Bucks are going to be losing anytime soon. We'll talk about that in a bit. But first, now I can do it, Drew. It's time for the stats of the week. Throw the S on there. We've got three stats this week, one of which Submitted by a fan. We'll do that one last. Save the best for last. But the first stat, Trey Young is the second youngest player in NBA history to record 45 or more points along with 10 or more assists in a playoff game. Luka Doncic was the one who is the youngest. 45 or more points and 10 or more assists. Unreal what Trey Young did in game one of that Bucks game. I'll talk about it. I was there. Absolutely crazy. Second stat, moving to baseball now. Cubs, they throw the first combined no-no in franchise history, which is kind of crazy because wouldn't you think it's way easier to throw a combined one than a normal one? Yeah, I just feel like I, I feel like the um, starting pitcher going all the way is the more common way to see it. So that might be why. 
possibly, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Cubs managers keep the starters in when they're throwing one. And they become the first visiting franchise to record two no-hitters in Dodger Stadium. So that's pretty big. Cubs doing well against the Dodgers, Brewers, Cubs in a battle. And speaking of the Brewers, Drew, shout out the man who sent us this stat of the week. It's in. We got it into this episode, and it is a good one. Katie Youngmuth sent us in a stat of the week. So we want to shout him out. Thanks, Caden, for this wonderful stat. The Brewers are the first team since 1901 to have nine starts of six or more innings pitched with one or zero hits allowed. And this is a full season record. And it is only June, Jordan. That is crazy. You know they're going to throw a few more of those this year. And that record may be untouchable coming up. I mean, this Brewers starting pitching team, we can't say enough good things about Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff. The things they do, um, Burns had like a no-hitter through four or five on, through five on Friday on reopening day. We'll talk about that, but it's insane. And Undoubtedly, Brewers are going to get a no-hitter this year, right? Someone's going to do it. It's got to be. I, I hope it's Woodruff, though. I really do. I love Woodruff. It's got it's to be one of them, though. Like, I don't see a way oh, yeah. they don't throw one. Or even if anything, have someone go eight innings. Like, say Woodruff said eight with 120-some pitches. I don't really know if Council's going to keep him in after that, but Hater. we'll see. Yeah, have Hader close the door and then just seal the deal. Now it's time. On this day, the date today, June 28th, our final episode in the month of June, some baseball and some basketball here. We're going to start with the baseball and then end with the basketball. That's just how it worked out this week. On this day in 1887, the Phillies' most lopsided shutout, beating Indianapolis 24-0. to That would be terrible, being on the opposite end of that. On this day in 1907, the Nationals steal a record. 13 bases off catcher Branch Ricky Drew. 13 stolen bases. This must be like a peanuts league, you know, peanut a peewee league where all everyone steals, you know, that's what this sounds like. And at a professional level, being able to steal 13 stolen bases, yikes for that catcher. Uh, is it like more of like a pitcher threw really soft and that's why a catcher wasn't able to throw him out or the catcher was that bad? I mean, like, I have no clue. Yeah, it certainly could be a mix of both here because maybe, maybe he wasn't holding the runner on. You know, there's a lot of factors that could have played into this. And I'm sure after like the first five stolen bases, he kind of just gave up and he's like, all right, whatever, just take your bag at this point. On this day in 1919, Carl Mazes pitches a complete double header against the Yankees. And double headers, were they nine back then or were they seven? They were nine, nine still, nine. right? Yep. That's insane. 18 innings. We've talked before for on this day about guys going like 17 and all these things, but a complete double header. Unbelievable. Yankees get it back on this next, on this day, 1939. They hit 13 home runs. This must have been a doubleheader as well as they sweep the A's 23 to 2 and 10 nothing. Unbelievable. 13 home runs in a doubleheader on this day in 1987. Don Baylor sets career high hit by pitch mark at 244. Oh my goodness. One of the main reasons I got out of baseball was not, I'm not even kidding. I was afraid of that ball sometimes when it's coming in. Once you get hit, you know all about it. But getting hit 244 times, Drew? That would leave more than a bruise, Jordan. He's got to, that's, that's got to be tough, especially at the big league level when guys that throw 90 plus, well, not 95 plus, but in the, we're going to say 80s, it was like 90 plus. It's nuts. 
poor guy. Like Don Baylor, I am so sorry you had to go through that, dude. But he's two, 244 times. That is unbelievable. Maybe he had like one of those stances where he was like hovering over the plate. He kind of had to at that rate. On this day in 1992, the U.S. Dream Team beats Cuba in the first ever exhibition basketball game. Not even close. 133 to 57. The U.S. Dream Team kills Cuba like the Bucks killed the Hawks in game two. Speaking of the Bucks, on this day in 2005, Utah center Andrew Bogut is the first pick by the Bucks in the NBA draft. Whatever happened to this dude? Uh, not good things, Jordan. I mean, he, he, he was promising his first few years. I mean, he made an All-NBA third team, I believe. But other than that, uh, he went to the Warriors then. And um, the Bucks, what they, they could have gotten Chris Paul in this draft. I mean, you know, now we know we know that now 16 or however many years later it was. But like Bogut looked promising at the time. The Bucks picked him up and it just didn't work out. Yeah, no, sad stuff. But that, that's what happens in the draft. It's kind of a risk. You never know. But this next one wasn't a risk. I'm going to stay in 2012. Anthony Davis is the first pick by the Pelicans. Can you believe he's been in the league almost 10 years? That's crazy. That's crazy, Jordan. I, the unibrow. Yeah, the unibrow has been in almost 10, like you said. Now with the Lakers, just got bounced out, but he'll be going back next year. Yeah, good for the Lakers getting out. We don't want him in there. All four of the teams that were left haven't won a championship since, like, whenever the – I don't even remember what year it was. Since well, – I can I can find the tweet eventually. I think it was 71 or 70-something. 70 yeah, I was thinking – 71. Yeah, I was thinking 80s, but that makes more sense because the 80s seemed too new. So that makes a lot of sense. It was, like, since the – not the expansion era, but I don't know. I'll, we'll figure it out some other time. I know I liked the tweet, but yeah, it's good. Oh, right here. Since 76, 77 season. Oh. So that's not bad at all. I mean, that's still 40 some years ago, which is good to see. We're getting some fresh faces in here. So that wraps things up. We'll stay right on the basketball train. What do you want to talk about first? We got some options. We can talk about the draft lottery, the Olympic team, or the Bucks and Hawks. You pick. Let's talk about the Bucks and Hawks. That game two. We'll talk about both games, actually. Yeah, let's start with game one. We'll go in order. Bucks and Hawks, game one. I was there on Wednesday night. Absolutely electric inside the Pfizer Forum. Only my second time ever there. First time there for a Bucks game. Bucks come out on the losing end, 116 to 113, just barely losing game one. They led in the first quarter, led in the second quarter. Hawks had a really big third quarter that kind of set them up for success going into the fourth. But I mean, you got to give all the credit in the world. Trey Young. In this game, absolutely unstoppable. 48 points. He shot 34 times. He was 17 of 34 from the field. 48 points, 11 assists in this game. John Collins did fantastic as well. 23 points, 15 rebounds. Clint Capella had 19 boards and 12 points. One of the big things in game one, Bucks allowing second chance opportunities and not playing great defense. Brooke Lopez especially really, really stood out to me in game one. Yeah, um, I agree. Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, I'd say too. Both of them with the Trey Young pick and roll game, they were just they were getting exploited. That's basically what happened. Uh Trey Young, John Collins would run the pick and roll. Maybe Capello would run it too. And it would give Trey Young. They they would be no man's land. They'd be caught in the middle. They didn't know what to do. Defend the lob, defend defend the floater. And when that happens, Trey Young was just able to get whatever he wanted that whole game. And that was that was tough for the Bucks. But I want to talk about the the Bucks offense that I thought 
Just some things about that. I thought it was really good to see Drew Holiday come out, have a coming hey, out party. It's a holiday. Yeah. He really he really came out um from his games uh, abysmal game seven performance against the Nets. But now another guy who um kind of struggled though was Chris Middleton. And I flexed my Chris Middleton is good shirt after game seven when the Nets won, but I could not flex it after game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. 0 of 9 from 3. He played 41 minutes. He played a lot, but only had 15 points to show for it. Like I said, didn't make a single three-pointer. Just wasn't the Chris Middleton we were used to seeing. Thankfully, Bucks had Drew Holiday step up. 33 points, 10 assists on the night. 14 of 25 shooting and five threes for Holiday. So very, very well there. It's just one of those things where one player steps up, has a good night. Someone else doesn't. And like Giannis, I think played okay, but in the final five minutes was really when he shined. He had a good first few minutes in the game and then kind of didn't really do a whole lot. Thankfully, he was good from the line. One assist shy of a triple double, 34 points, 12 boards, nine assists, playing 41 minutes. Find Drew Holiday, who had 42. Brooke Lopez only played 20 minutes in this game. I mean, PJ Tucker played 35. Bobby Portis got 15 minutes. In the game, I think one of the big things was Pat Connaughton, who played 29 minutes in the game. And I know some people were saying that's way too many minutes for Pat. Yeah. And the one reason I think the Bucks were doing that was they're they're trying to run that small ball lineup against against the Hawks. And when you run that small ball lineup, I mean, Brooke Lopez really isn't isn't a factor in that. He really isn't. You're going to get you're going to see guys like Portis and Connaughton come on. And when that happens, you're going to give up a lot of offensive rebounds. And that's what the Bucks did. And I think they're really just missing – they're missing DiVincenzo's presence with, it, presence with that. I mean, he got hurt in the Heat series, and he's an excellent rebounding guard, and it's just a shame that he's not able to be on this ride with the Bucks. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really seen DiVincenzo play because obviously I haven't – honestly, I haven't watched the Bucks at all until the playoffs here, so I never really got to see what he did. But still – and also Jeff Teague playing six minutes in game one. Yeah, it's the guy in the, the guy in front of me was screaming at the top of his lungs that Jeff Teague was in. I don't blame him. I mean, just not good at all. Bobby Portis, though, I mean, we got to talk about him. Game two had a humongous game. Just, I mean, game one he did really, really well. But game two, he's just like I saw a tweet comparing him to the Willie Adamas of the Brewers. Like he just brings something extra to this Bucks team. Just really lights a fire under him in in this game two. He had, if I can find his name, eight points, three boards, three of seven shooting, one of three from three. I mean, certainly not the best game stats-wise, but he played 18 minutes of real spark on the defensive end. Giannis, 25 points, leading the way as the Bucks picked up a 125-91 to 91 win over the Hawks and drew this. Well, obviously, first of all, have to talk about Trey Young. I believe he finished with nine turnovers and 15 points. So Trey Young was in his own head, only played 28 minutes. He was basically benched the second half. They just kept him off the floor. Trey Young played terrible in game two. Bucks played phenomenal. Yes, they did, Jordan. I thought what stood out to me was that second quarter, how active this team got defensively. They're running the break. They're, the defense was creating easy baskets by getting some steals and setting up the break. Uh, Bobby Portis, you mentioned him bringing heart. He had that great steal off when they were inbounding the ball. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, that was, that was, was He was cherry picking, basically, because they didn't realize he was there. Trey Young did the same thing, though. Like, Pat Connaughton tried to throw it into Drew Holiday, and Trey just took it. But Bobby's was way better. Yes, it was. And I just think 
I think Brooke Lopez played great defensively at a couple of blocks and like Middleton had that big steal in the second quarter. That 20-0 run really was the big difference this game. That blew this game wide open. They had 42 points in the second quarter, which was the most of the season. And they were making threes. Middleton hit two. Brooke Lopez hit three. Um, uh, Bryn Forbes had two. Pat Connaughton had three. Drew Holiday had three. Bobby Portis had one. Giannis, 0 of three. And I just wanted to say, Bucks were up like 30-some points in the game, and the announcers were complaining that Giannis is taking threes. Like, seriously, are you kidding me? They're up 30 points, and they have no reason not to shoot the ball. Like, let Giannis get some practice in from three. I don't understand that. And, oh, also, we should say, so, like, the official notes or whatever came in from a game one of the last two minutes, and they said that they should have called 10-second on Giannis twice from the free-throw line at the end of the game. So the Hawks were irate about that going into game two, but I'm just so sick still of Giannis's free throws being the difference maker of everyone talking about him constantly. And then it's still, they're up 30 points. And all you can talk about on commentary is Giannis's 10 second. It's ridiculous at this point. Yeah, it is. And it's like no starter played in the fourth quarter of this game, Jordan. So like, I don't know why that was the big discussion point of the second half with like, Giannis taking so long on free throws and the 10 second violation that like they got to keep it consistent. We've mentioned that on this podcast a numerous amount of times he's been taking the 11, 12 or whatever you want to call it seconds each like this whole year. And they didn't call it at the start. They're not going to call it. You know I mean? They got to be consistent. And that's what, that's an official's job. And just because the crowd counts to 12 doesn't mean that it's actually the count of 12 because like when an official counts, yeah, I was just going to do the same thing too. You count from your chest and it's a different count. So I really don't understand the complaints at all. And it's also game one. It's not like Giannis made two free throws at the buzzer to send him into overtime. And then the Bucks won, which would have changed the game. It wasn't anything close. Bucks still lost by three and they're still complaining about it. So that's the big problem here. Hopefully this can finally not be a discussion, but I'm sure it still will be because that's all they care to talk about. Now, draft lottery bucks have nothing to worry about in the draft lottery no picks in the top 14 nor should they have them number one pick belongs to the detroit pistons they land themselves the number one pick in the draft drew we both predicted that on DraftKings. yep we did DraftKings free to play pool and i i did i got a four out of eight on it but it was a i did as pool. well oh we got four out of eight both of us did and great minds think alike jordan but we'll we'll take it Absolutely. And I've been winning real little lately. Like one pool, I went five out of eight and I won seven cents. One pool, I went six out of eight and I won nine cents. So, I mean, I'm really racking up the money. Those, those cents really, really, really add up. Second pick in the draft is going to be the Houston Rockets. Third pick is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And one of the biggest things was the Thunder, right? Because they have three first round picks this year. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, and they only got one in the top, only one. That's the sixth pick they get, so not really too good. I mean, imagine if one team would have had three picks in, like, top ten or something. It would have been absolutely ridiculous. But, Drew, we were talking about it before the air. You think it's pretty undeniable who's going number one in the draft this year. Yep, Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. It's got to be him, Jordan. He's he's such a great player. We saw him play at March Madness for a couple games, and I think he's a clear-cut choice. I don't see any other guy that would be the number one pick, but you never know. And it's the Pistons. So what if they do something stupid and try and throw a new name out there? 
we'll have to see. We will have a nice draft discussion like we did for the NFL. That'll all be coming up soon. But first, let's have a discussion about the Olympics. Team USA has been finalized. Does it bother you that they're still calling it Tokyo 2020? Because that really bothers me. It does bother me a little bit, Jordan, but I, I realize why, because they want to keep it like they want to like keep it like with the four years for the Summer Olympics, you know, so I, I think yeah, it makes I mean, sense. I know why they're doing it. It just bothered me because it's one, it's not 2020 and two, nothing happened in 2020. So I don't know if someone tries to look back on it 50 years from now and they search the 2020 Olympics and see it was in 2021. It's going to get a little bit sloppy. Team USA, one center on this team and it's bam out of bio otherwise they've got themselves some guards and forwards damian lillard bradley beal devin booker zach levine drew holiday kevin durant jason tatum draymond green chris middleton jeremy grant and kevin love i didn't even realize kevin love was still good he's not but he's okay. on the team <laughs> yeah i was gonna say he was like timberwolves guy way back in the day but um, he's on the team that surprised me to see so what are your thoughts on this team? I mean, some of the names still could be up in the air depending on how the finals go. We could see Booker, Holiday, and Middleton all not be on the team, right? Yeah, certainly all three could be. It just depends on how they do if they win the conference finals. So I think right now, um, I think this team, Jordan, I think, it's, I think they're going to obviously get the gold. I think, I don't even think, like, even if Greece gets Giannis and Thanasis, I think that doesn't matter. I think this is going to be the clear cut best team. By far. And I think it is every year at this point, honestly. Like, there's really no one ever to step up against USA in Olympics. It's just crazy how good USA has consistently been. And, yeah, like you said, even if Giannis plays, that's just him and Thanes. That's two guys. What are they going to do to stop this team who's got some good depth? So I don't think the USA is going to have any problems. Can't wait to watch some Olympics this summer. We'll be covering it right here on Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, along with our covering of hockey that's right the stanley cup finals are set tampa bay lightning who has been my pick since day one when the bracket came out i said they're gonna win it all they're close to going back to back which is unreal and they are playing the montreal canadians in this series drew who are you picking to win the stanley cup is it montreal the four seed who no one expected to get this far or is it going to be tampa Going back to back. I'm picking Montreal because I want you to be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I figured you would just pick opposite of me, which is good, actually. I like it. You're, I, I looked this morning on the uh, hockey bracket. It was not even close. We knew I already had one. I'm winning 163 to 56 in our pool. So it is just an absolute landslide, as expected. I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. It's exactly how it should be. So, Moving forward to the world of Major League Baseball, the sticky situation at hand has gotten 10 times stickier. I don't think anything has been fixed. And honestly, Drew, I think they made it worse. Oh, yes, they did, Jordan. Um, there was a few instances this past week that we saw that are big problems. I mean, we saw Sergio Romo pull his pants down. We saw Max Scherzer. We saw him get into it, Joe Giardi. And we'll talk about that whole situation. I'll talk about that shortly. But that Sergio Romo situation first, Jordan, that should not be happening in a major league game. (laughs) Well, didn't Max Scherzer do like something similar, but then Sergio like took it to the next level? Yes. Sergio Romo pulled his pants down. 
Well, correct. Yeah, he just took his belt off and whipped him out. But I don't understand at all. Like, what are they trying to do? Like, pitchers, this is just one of the things they're going to have to get used to. And I don't know how long this is going to last, but it is absolutely terrible. This is a such a bad look on the game of baseball, which is already having less viewers than ever people tuning out. And now this, it is yeah. wild. Yes, it is, Jordan. And so that Max Scherzer situation, I'm going to break it down because I think this is very important. Rules need to be changed, and that's why I'm going to read this. So with Max Scherzer, he, he had a pretty good outing. He pitched five innings, gave up one, one and run, and during this outing, he got checked twice. And the reason, first reason he got checked is the mandatory check that Com- Commissioner Manfred established where umpires need to be uh, checking uh, pitchers for foreign substances, like between innings. So that happened. He got that one check, and boom, he's good to go. And then there's also a rule that during an inning, the opposing manager has the ability to appeal and request a check of the pitcher for a foreign substance. And that request was granted as it, as it by rule it should be. And then they look, they checked out Scherzer again and he was livid. He was already livid the first time this time he was angry. And then when he got take, when he, his last inning of work, the fifth inning, he got the last out. He was just staring down Giardi, and Giardi wasn't having it. He came out. He came out of his thing, and he's like, "You want? You want to talk?" And then he got ejected, right? right? Yep. Yep. Tim, yep. Tim Timmons just was like, "You," and that happened. And I got, I got to read something, Jordan. I got a proposal, and I want to hear what you think about this. Okay. So I was doing some more research. A guy by the name of Close Call Sports on YouTube. I watch a lot of his videos. He does a great job of breaking down umpire rulings and. He believes that the rule change should be if the manager is wrong when they make this appeal, it should cost their team an out. What do you think about that? Cost them an out. That is interesting. But I mean, hey, it's certainly something to be discussed. Like we were talking about the other night. If you do this, right, and it's middle of the inning, you completely ruin the rhythm of the pitcher and stuff. He's going off doing all these great things. And you have to stop him to check him. And it's like, seriously, what pitcher is actually going to be good the first check? And then grab something in the duck out and come out and do something and try and pull something with the sticky stuff. Like it doesn't even make sense. Pitchers would be absolutely outrageous to go get checked, be good, and then try and grab something after that. Like that's not how it works at all. But with the whole challenge thing, like you said, the umpires can't say no to the coach or the manager or whatever asking for it. So that's one of the big issues. Like this could be happening a lot. And I'm sure other managers see managers doing it. They're going to figure out a strategy with it. Something definitely needs to be changed. You propose that's like a challenge where if you do it and then you get him wrong, you lose it and you can't do it again. And I'm the on the out thing I think is interesting, but knowing Rob Manfred, nothing is going to be changed with this until the end of the season. Yeah. And the I have another proposal for you, Jordan, just to talk about what you just mentioned. I think if this mandatory um between any check is enforced, and it is right now, it's being heavily enforced. We've seen it a lot. And I think then they should abolish the ability for a manager to be able to ask for this appeal to check it like during the inning, because now this is just taking up time. They were already checked. It's just now it's used as a way. It's like a, it's a Bush league move. It really is. It's what they're doing. They're going to mess up rhythm. Like, like you mentioned, Clayton Kershaw said the same thing. He was livid about it. And it's just, it's just a bad, bad situation. Baseball's in right now. It needs to be fixed. Absolutely. And if we could use our comparison from last week, this would be like going through TSA security, right? Getting your bags checked, doing everything. And then before you get on the plane, you have to go through security again. That's what this would be like. 
because they're checking more than once and we have to discuss the Freddy Peralta thing. They took his glove away because it was like a darker color or a lighter color. What was up with that? Okay. And by rule that them taking Freddy Peralta's thing, that was that was the right decision because uh the, the light gray tint or whatever his glove was, the color it was, was illegal. And the reason being is in the rule book it states something about if it's a gray glove like that, it could it could seem like a baseball. I, I'm just telling you what the rule says. I watched a video on this too, and I read some articles and it's talked about if it looks like a, anything like a baseball and it has the, the gray tint, the gray, well, gray color, it is illegal. And by rule, but a baseball umpire, is white. Jordan, I, I, that's what they said. And they said um, the reason they do it, that's why they take the, the gray glove away because then if uh, the other, because by rule, that, that glove's not allowed. And then the other manager, would be able to like protest because this team broke the rule by using said gloves. So that's why this has to be enforced. And that's why the umpire enforced it. Interesting. Yeah. I, that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's an uh, interesting one on MLB, the show. Can't you make your glove gray? That's video game. Jordan. The, the I understand. Rule book states you cannot have gray glove said gray glove, the color he had and he had it and it got taken away. And by rule, he is allowed to replace my glove, which he was granted. Uh, that's dumb i don't like that at all baseballs are white what does gray have anything to do with it i don't get it why are they changing that that's incredibly stupid so let's talk about the brewers we are at a position where we're recording saturday afternoon so if the brewers lost saturday and sunday i win the predictions challenge but all the brewers have to do is beat the rockies one more time and drew a win in the brewers prediction challenge which would be big for him a win certainly would be nice and it would make it now seven to three, but if the Brewers lost this weekend, eight and two, that's tough to come back from. So let's talk about first the Diamondbacks series. I told you there's no way they're sweeping the Diamondbacks. The first game was ridiculous. A 5-1 loss to a team that hadn't won in like half a month or something. What happened with the Brewers? Yeah, it was a tough game for the Brewers. The bats have been the issue for like almost this whole season when they've been struggling and Yet again, that was the issue. They can't get anything going offensively, Jordan. They absolutely cannot. So the 5-1 loss, 5-0 win, and then a 3-2 win. The amount of one-run wins this Brewer team has is crazy. But let's talk. Reopening day, it was big. This past Friday, they welcomed full capacity for technically the first time ever at American Family Field. Because, I mean, American Family Field has never seen full capacity before. So... 5-4 5-4 win for the Brewers. They were down 4 nothing. Corbin Burns allowed a run. The late great Trevor Richards allowed three runs. He has been terrible besides the one performance where he struck up the side when the bases were loaded. So Brewers down 4 nothing thanks to Trevor Richards. And then Brewers come back. They get one run in the seventh, one in the eighth, and two in the ninth thanks to a Willie Adamas home run. So this goes back to that trade where I consistently ask if Willie Adamas balances out Trevor Richards. And at this point, I got to say yes, because if it wasn't for Adamas, we would have lost this game. Yes, and I'm so glad um, Stearns and Arnold, they made this trade because Adamas has been phenomenal so far this year. And I read that OPS stat about how he was slugging. He had an OPS over 1,000 at Wayball Parks, and he seems to really enjoy the AmFam, doesn't he, Jordan? 
He does. And it's the whole team in general, just what he brings to them. And in the bottom of the 11, Keston Hira hits a sack fly to win the game. When I saw that notification, I went crazy. There is no athlete in the world I'm rooting for more than Keston Hira. Early in the game, or I should say in that Diamondbacks game, the first game he was back, he hit a 414-foot bomb that was caught because that's just how the stadium is. Anywhere else that would have been a home run in his first at-bat back. He's been making good contact. I mean, he's striking out a little bit still, but that's expected from the guy. Hits the sack fly to win the game, Drew. That had to feel good for Keston. Yeah, and he had a home run earlier in the game too. That was great to see too. And I'm re- I was I've been rooting for Keston this whole year, and I was really afraid if because I, I didn't know how much, much how much longer the Brewers were going to give him. And luckily, he's starting to come. Hopefully, he keeps coming through like this. But again, with Jordan, with your Trevor Richards thing, I just want to switch gears for a second here. I think the Brewers got maybe a guy who they can bring up as his replacement. Because are you going to say Aaron Ashby? Nope, Jordan, I'm going to read you a trade that happened on Friday. Oh, yes. Yep, the Pirates and Brewers agreed to a trade, which would send outfielder Troy Stokes Jr. and righty Handel Gustave from Pittsburgh to Milwaukee in exchange for the 17-year-old catcher Samuel Escudero. And I think this trade, Jordan, is going to be a great thing for the Brewers. And the reason why is there's two things here. Troy Stokes Jr. is gonna he's we're gonna see both these guys on the big league roster i think sometime this year with the depth because this covers two things the brewers needed outfield depth because of the cane injury and like guys like Derek fisher have to come up i think troy stokes is better than Derek fisher so i think we'll see him over fisher and then also this righty hondo gustave i think we're gonna see him i think trevor richards might get he might go down soon i have not been a fan of trevor richards i think he's kind of the throwaway player in here because J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen, we lost two righties, and now we're getting a righty in return, and we're giving up a catcher in Escudero, which is okay with me. We got yes, a 17-year-old catcher, so yeah. it's not like he was anything anyways. Maybe in five years he could be something, but this trade kind of flew under the radar to a lot of people, I think, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with it, and the trade deadline coming up soon as well. Do you think the Brewers are going to make any moves? I got, a guy, I got a couple guys in mind, Jordan. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Brewers, I think they're going to go out there and get a first baseman. I and hope I, so. And I got a few, I got two candidates in mind right now, and I really hope they get one of them. CJ Crone of the Rockies, Jesus Aguilar of the Marlins. I, I mean, think, we all want Jesus back. I think those two guys, I think if you go out and get one of them, I think this team goes from a very good team to a great team. You've got Jesus Aguilar and William Adamas on the same team. That's some firepower right there with those two, especially lighting it up. Lorenzo Kane, he's going to be back eventually. He's still kind of up in the air about it, but Colton Wong has been doing fantastic ever since he came back. And we should note that Daniel Vogelbach got injured, and that's the reason Keston here had to come up. But Vogelbach was hot with all the things he was doing lately. Yeah, he's and it's a bummer about him, Jordan. He's going to be out six weeks. I don't know if you saw that. That's I didn't know it was loss. that long. Yeah, I thought it was like a month, but six weeks, long... <laughs> Keston here at first base for six weeks. Oof, that does not sit well with me. Unless he can find himself once again. He's just one of those guys. We say it time and time again. Too good for AAA, not good enough for the pros. So that wraps things up. And it is time for our predictions for the week coming up. 
if I can, there it is. Finally, we can look at the schedule. It is some divisional games this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They've got the Cubs and then four games against the Pirates. They play all seven days this week. They play on July 4th at 12.05 on Sunday, so that'll be fun. Four games against the Pirates, three against the Cubs. We know this team doesn't do the best against the Pirates, even though they're absolute trash. They got some good pitchers lined up for this Cubs series, so I'm going to say three and four. I'm not going to think – I don't think they're going to do too hot this week. Jordan – I'm going to go up one win. I'm going to say four and three this week. I, I think they're going to win that Cubs series, and then they'll split the four game against the Pirates. That is a safe bet to say four and three. I mean, it was just – I'm just not sure. But the Cubs series, that always up in the air, as the Central is every single year. Never know what's going to happen. At the time of recording, they're a game ahead of the Cubs, but Saturday and Sunday games took place. We'll know that'll probably be a little bit adjusted in the – Pirates are 14 games back from the Brewers, so that is pretty good. But it's now time for some trivia. As promised last week, Summer Sports Spectacular Trivia, Episodes 1 through 4. So we're looking at the four games. Each game gets a question. One game gets two questions. This is going to be fun. What was your favorite game out of the four we watched? I guess I'll ask you that first. My favorite game, I got to think through them all. I, I think I like the 88 finals the most. Really? Yeah, I did like See, that one. I love 80s I think, basketball. I think it's easily either the Rose Bowl or the baseball game we watched between the Braves and Twins. I don't know. I, I, liked, I like NBA basketball, and I like the 80s basketball. I mean, the, the 2005 Rose Bowl was very good, too. But I don't know. Yeah, the Twins were- one. It was a pitching duel. It got kind of, I mean, it was a good game, but it was a pitching duel. And that just, yeah, true. It really picked up in the last few innings, but I definitely like 80s basketball more than modern day. That's for sure. But first question is about a game we didn't even mention Super Bowl seven, the highest viewed, highest listened to podcast we've ever done. Just kidding. After Super Bowl seven, what was the Dolphins record? So including the playoffs, what was their record? 17 and 0. You nailed it. They were 14. And that was a tricky one because it's seeing if you paid attention that there were only 14 regular season games. Add in the six preseason games, and this team was 20 and three. That's wild when you think about it. Next question. The first hit in game seven of the 1991 World Series took place in what inning? Oh, the third? Uh uh-uh, uh. It was the second. Oh, second. Second. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was later as well. But it ended up being the second inning where both teams got a hit in that inning. So, next question. Which team scored first, USC or Texas? Um, I want to say Texas did. Is that your final answer? Yeah, they did. No, no USC did. Because USC jumped off to a lead and then that, that happened. So, uh. it's okay. These are, these are tricky. I mean, no doubt about it. But your next question, this is probably the toughest one of the, well, maybe not the toughest one of the bunch. The Lakers made how many consecutive shots to start the third quarter? Ten. There you go. They were 10 of 10. That is a big number to remember. And we will see if you can get our final question right. Go three of five. Got to stay above the 500. True or false? When combining the past two Rose Bowls that Vince Young was in, he rushed for six touchdowns. 
True. False. It was seven. Seven touchdowns he ended up rushing for. So that is a two of five day. Not the best, not the worst. It's not a one out of five. So, I mean, it could have been worse. Two out of five. I don't even have the trivia sheet open, but moving down a little bit, but that's okay. Tough week this week in the world of trivia. Summer sports spectacular. Hopefully you played along at home. If you listen to all the episodes, we're enjoying doing those. Episode five is in the books. We will be, or we watched Georgetown and Houston, 1984. NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. What a wild tournament that was, Drew. 53 teams. That was something else. The only the only year it was ever 53 teams with the with the five playing games, I believe it was. Yeah, five playing games and 16 first round buys. The one seed, two seed, three seed, and four seed all got buys. Unbelievable. But that wraps it up. Episode 16 of the podcast. Drew, where can the people find you? You can find me on Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter at drew skyberg d-r-e-w-s-k-y-b-e-r-g keeping it uniform i like it we are on i'm sure by now we're on the facebook we're gonna get that website soon we are on instagram jordan drew underscore sports crew youtube jordan and drew the sports crew follow us leave that five star review on apple podcast get us to 30 guys let's get to 30 that's our next goal i'm on twitter jordan law underscore pxp thank you all for listening episode 16 of jordan and drew the sports crew the perfect podcast for you